When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Busy for you as Nebraska. A few visitors this weekend. Junior Day going on. And uh, some names to think about uh, when it comes to the comings and goings. Portal-wise, we'll dive into it. An incredible playoff weekend of NFL coverage. So uh, we'll check in with uh, Blackshirt Husker and NFLer. Jay Moore, that's on the way. The Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports is Bill Dolman. Going to join us. Join us. We'll uh, live stream that on uh, StreamYard, also on Twitter and ESPN Lincoln's Facebook. And we'll get all the prep stuff knocked out with Jacob Padilla. We would talk Nebraska basketball, but that's on pause right now due to COVID. So uh, we'll get some thoughts on some basketball this weekend. And also uh, the presser today with uh, Coach Hoiberg and Kobe Webster. You know, can Nebraska regroup once they get healthy? Numbers to get in today at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, can find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, and, uh, of course, Elijah Herbal at uh, Herbal Essence on Twitter is where you find Elijah. So, uh, listen, there's a ton to get to, and uh, good stuff from uh, the point of view of, of our friend Mitch Sherman. I know we've referenced Mitch a couple times this week, uh, but the, the topic of uh, most important addition, right? You can go player, you can go coach with that, uh, we'll do that here in a moment. But it's interesting, Elijah. You can look at, of course, Coach Whipple and, and what he can do from a from a quarterback grooming standpoint. You can look at Mickey Joseph, his impact, what uh, Mickey's all about here, not only as a recruiter, but as a connector and a developer at the wide receiver spot. Bill Bush and special teams. Do we need to, to hammer home again just what special teams has cost Nebraska over the years? No, we don't. It's Friday. And uh, then you have uh, Donovan Riola, right? The offensive line is kind of the key cog for whoever's quarterback, whoever's running back, and uh, for jumps in the positive sense for this Nebraska offense. Uh, Of course, uh, Brian Applewhite going to be really high on Anthony Grant and uh, Nebraska still pursuing A.J. Allen. Uh, offensive line wise, you know, Donovan Riola's got some work to do 
and I think he'll be all right with it. You have guys like Turner Corcoran and Teddy Prohaska probably out due to injury this spring. So that'll give you a, a chance to to groom and develop some guys and Hopefully you get both those guys back. And, you know, Big Ted's a left tackle. You know, where do you put Turner at? That's a question mark. And, uh, you're, you know, there's addition, there's auditions for center uh, with uh, Nuri and Piper and Trent Hickson uh, having history at center. Uh, and, uh, you know, I look at Nebraska as that offensive line. I can spin the wheel, Elijah, and make an argument for anyone that's, been, that, that's new. You know, what's who's the most important addition? Well, darn it, it's going to be the quarterback. It's going to be Casey Thompson to win that job and be good or be, as good or better than he was at Texas. Or we can say Mark Whipple, or we can say Riola, or we can say Joseph. Uh, you can make an argument for Bill Bush like, well, like Mitch Sherman did in his story. But I I think it's going to be Riola. Do you agree? Is that is that your Are you circling that name? Short, short term. If we're talking short term, short term, short-term long term, for sure. Because whenever I look at it, I think you look at the other guys that have been brought in, and uh, they have less development they have to do. When you look at the wide receivers, the wide receivers, though they weren't consistent all year long, being great, uh, they had flashes of uh, of greatness, and you can see the potential in those guys, and they look pretty close uh, when you look at the guys like Betts and Manning, uh, and uh, who am I forgetting out there on the outside? Uh, Oliver Martin comes back for mm-hmm. the year. Uh, you can you can see the flashes within those guys. Uh, same in the running back room. You saw games where Jacquez Yant looked good and games where Amir Johnson looked good and Gabe Irvin coming back from injury. Uh, the quarterbacks, you have something that's somewhat proven in Casey Thompson, who now gets to lead the offense for Mark Whipple. And then you look at the offensive line, and there was really only one game last season where uh, I thought the offensive line looked like uh, the offensive line of a Nebraska team. And that was against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. They were opening holes like you expected them to. They were they were uh, keeping Adrian Martinez off his backside. Uh, really, only one game. Aside from that, uh, the offense line was the biggest liability on the team. When you look at who they're bringing in to try to fill the shoes, uh, there isn't that much added competition in this room. Uh, so uh, I think Raiola's got the biggest job next season to try to turn this offense offensive line around and get them to a point uh, where they're respectable in the Big Ten and, and aren't. Uh, costing you games uh, because this season they were costing you games with how poorly they protected Martinez, how poorly they were able to run the football. Uh, and he just has the biggest job. Cause again, as I said, you've lost your best offensive lineman in Cam Jurgens, and the talent your second best is hurt. Yeah. And, and the talent that's left in the room didn't wow anybody last season. Let's, let's go there for a second on the offensive line. Are you of the opinion that there's, Missed talent, or it's been underdeveloped talent? Is there talent in the room? Every recruiting service, every school that went after some of these guys that Nebraska ended up getting over the last three years, that says there's talent. Got to harness it and make it better, right? And you just didn't have consistency on that offensive line. You know again in a short window there's a big wow factor with Teddy Prohaska man he can be real nice needs to get healthy and come back and you hope that happens Turner Corcoran from Rutgers game to last season uh, different one game one night was great and then you're, you're facing a bunch of <clears throat> future NFL guys off the edge 
and that was tough. And I, I'm not I'm not off the boat on Corcoran yet. Neither am I. No. I, so, sometimes you need to go take a season of licks to be able to realize how much better you actually need to still go get. We saw Cam Jurgens take a season of licks, and then two years mm-hmm. later, he's the best offensive line on the team by far. Sure. No. You you need to adjust to the the war that is the Big Ten. Uh, I'm not out at all on a guy like Ethan Piper or a Ben Hart. I I believe it's a situation of getting that talent to be Big Ten good and and molding them. And and I think you're going to have more of a, uh, a same-page situation this year versus past years. So I'm not throwing all the blame on a Greg Austin because he's the one who went out and recruited these guys and got them here, right? And, and they're not old players. I know they've been in the program a little while, but a lot of these guys didn't get – much of a red shirt year or maybe they got a red shirt year and if they did get a year it was that stupid 2020 season where it's covid you didn't necessarily get a 19 right where you get development you get scout team then you're able to kind of climb your way up as you're adjusting to the speed of the game monday through thursday with practice let alone at three o'clock at memorial stadium okay so i look at a situation where Nebraska's found some guys, some in-state and some surrounding area guys, I think they can be really good. I think Raiola can take what's been kind of been cooking and then turn it into something even bigger and better. That's that's the hope, right? So you have that opportunity, and you're going to have to do some shifting around. You're going to have to replace the Cam Jurgens factor. Well, let's be but honest. It's, it's going to be on that O line to help make this offense go. So I'm I'm circling Raiola like you short term as the 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 most important addition. And I think Raiola is going to be huge as well because when you look at the other positions along the offense, you have a pretty good idea of what the two deep is going to look like. With the offensive line, every single position along the offensive line is wide open. Some people are going to say, well, Prohoshka should be slated, slated in as the left tackle. We only saw him for a game and a half, really. He had limited snaps against some good teams, and uh, the game that he did play really well was against Northwestern, who clearly wasn't up to the I'm same competition. Oklahoma. I'm counting his, his sprinklings in against Oklahoma as well, but... And then uh, was the game right before Northwest? That was Michigan State, correct? <laughs> yeah. where, where I think he played the second half and played performed admirably. That, so I, I think we, we know enough good things to think he's going to be in the mix, but I'm not ready to, to give him a starting spot with a new position coach coming in. Uh, and then you look at left guard. Nuruddin was there last season, and could he be center next season? Uh, I don't know. I think he's probably going to be involved in that too deep center. I have no idea. Right guard, I have no idea. And right tackle, I have no idea what the two deep is going to look like. So that's why I think I think Ryle is going to be so huge this offseason because not only is it its development, it's also having that eye for talent and knowing who's going to slide into which spot. Well, the the I the, the bigger question I have about Pro Hoska isn't is he your best lineman slash left tackle? Yes, even in a, in a in a short uh, sample size, but it's about coming back from the injury. Mm-hmm. That that that's more of a question to me. Uh, him being ready and and good to go versus do you think he's the guy at left tackle? I don't know that there's anyone on the team, if he's 100%, that can go beat him out. I don't think so. I think he's potentially that good. I think you look at Corcoran, once he comes back from his shoulder issue, at center. Uh, I think, and and Searles has alluded to that. And then uh, when it comes to right tackle, you got the new kid that's the the transfer in from Oklahoma State. Hunter Anthony. Yeah, you got Anthony. You also have Ben Hart. Mm -hmm. You have Ben Hart slimmed down and look at him as a guard, perhaps. You've got Williams. 
the, the, the Northern Colorado transfer. Who I believe played left guard at Northern Colorado. So that's, that's what kind of why I see that and think maybe Nurudin slides over to center. Could. Could he also slide to right guard? It's possible. We've seen a lot more out of guard uh, from Brock Bando, but he's been playing tackle Tell as well. Tell me, could, could Bando make a run at right tackle? I think he prefers guard. Okay. From, from what I know about, I don't think... But he's your teammate, so... Uh, from what I know about him, he's been playing both, but I think he, he prefers the, the pass blocking whenever he doesn't have to go be out in space against a future NFL guy, and that's, I feel like, most the offensive line. Uh, no, nobody wants to be on an island against an NFL guy. However, somebody's going to have to take on that challenge. Actually, you need two guys who are going to go take on that challenge this year. Could it be Bando uh, in a, a sixth season? Potentially. Um, I'm also curious what we're going to get out of... Uh, uh, the, the guard from Iowa, Latovsky. Yeah, well, he's he's been mentioned a lot. Is he ready to make a jump uh, because of his upside and his in his, you know where did he start? Started at a pretty good spot, talent wise, coming in. Yeah, so Lutovsky's a guy that you look at a guard. You still have Hickson and Piper and Newelli mm-hmm. at the other guard slash center spot. Uh, Turner's a, a potential option at center. And then you figure out Ben Hart or Anthony at the right tackle spot, assuming you get a healthy Teddy back, and pick the, one of the guys that doesn't, does not win the right tackle spot as your swing tackle. Yeah. Fair? I'm, I'm not even Easier ready. said than done. Easier we can throw out done. names. That's what I'm saying. We're throwing out all of these names. And at the end of the day, we don't know. I don't even think Coach Riola knows because you still have to make it through spring ball, a mm-hmm. full offseason of conditioning, knowing who's going to be doing what. If uh, you do have a situation where Corcoran's going to be moving inside, that requires a change of body type slightly where uh, you're going to want to be a little bit more stout playing interior offensive line than you are playing tackle. Um, Prohoshka coming back from injury, he looked twig-like at times last season. I know he played really well, but you think he's going to want to put on a little bit more weight, and can he do that coming off of a knee injury? There's so many question marks along the offensive line. And as a former offensive lineman myself who just loves watching good offensive line play, I'm, I'm super intrigued by what this spring is going to look like, who is playing where, and what maybe a potential group of, of one offensive lineman looks like. Riola is the, the short-term name when it comes to most important addition this offseason for Nebraska. Long-term, big picture is Mickey Joseph. Oh, for sure. Mickey Joseph has been uh, incredible in the short term with with recruiting, uh, for certain. Uh, Mickey Joseph has also taken it upon himself to really get after it in Nebraska when it comes to recruiting. And, and, you know, Greg Smith uh, tweeting out just the fact that (laughs) you've got Mickey that's hit a slew of high schools and, and done so uh, pretty, uh, pretty competently here in the last couple of days, uh, last couple of weeks, honestly, where he has hit Central. He has hit Omaha North. He has hit Burke. He has been to Lincoln East. He has been by Lincoln High. Those are so key because you've got some big-time 2023 and beyond targets. He's been at Westside. Uh, where you have a potential uh, another high flyer at wide receiver in that 2023 class. So Mickey Joseph, from the out-of-state standpoint of being able to recruit SEC country and then taking it on himself to go get the Metro done and really get after it is is so key. Bill Bush, really, I mean, you've got a triangle here. Mm. We haven't even said Whipple and and how important is quarterback. It's huge. huge. It is so huge to have a, a competent quarterback that has help. But it's all – it's like we're playing Jenga. I mean, it is all so dependent on one another where they're stacked. Yeah, and, and Whipple's importance kind of 
varies depending on on how the other assistant coaches do in developing talent and generating a successful offensive yeah, who's line gonna, and successful who's running gonna get, Who's going to get a running game going for him and an offensive line? I think the skill stuff will be fun. Well, I think Mickey Joseph steps in as the new assistant coach that will have the most talent to work with stepping into the room with that wide receiver group. I'm, I'm confident he'll get the talent out of that room. And I don't think Applewhite has bad talent running back either. We'll see how he can develop it. There's there's a lot of potential there. There's three, four guys, I think, who could be that, that number one guy come, uh, what day is it, August 27th? Something like that. But, hey, it's it's a fun exercise to go through and have that discussion. Most important addition uh, for Nebraska. We'll dive in to uh, a lot of basketball thoughts uh, with Jacob Padilla. Also get in from a prep standpoint, get uh, Jacob's take on this Gretna situation uh, that has developed over the last 24 hours about uh, the state championship trophy being uh, revoked. We'll get Jacob's thoughts on all of it. He'll be at a ball game tonight. Was it uh, Southwest and, e- and Northeast last night. Jacob Padilla is next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Bill Dolman coming up next hour. NBC Sports and uh, Jay Moore. Some NFL thoughts. We'll see if Jay finally got that Cincinnati Bengals jersey slash sweatshirt. Jacob Padilla with this. He's got his Green Bay gear going at uh, Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. where you find him. Jacob, how's the uh, the week been, man? And uh, I know you'll have uh, you know, the radar up for not only your, your Packers, but also plenty of high school basketball. How are you? Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Looking forward to a good uh, good rivalry tonight with uh, Prep and Westside coming up uh, later tonight over there. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, did some high school this week, obviously. Uh, my weekend calendar cleared, uh, cle- uh, cleared up a little bit with uh, the unfortunate news about the Husker basketball program, but it's um, kind of waiting to see the resolution on that before I can know when we're going to dive back in. No, I know. It's, it, it, you know, just the, the waiting game right now. And, Jacob, I uh, want to spend a minute here to start with Nebraska basketball before we kind of zoom out. And what, what's your read? I know Coach Hoiberg and Kobe Webster both addressed uh, some of the comments Kobe made on radio this week. And, uh, it, look, it was addressed. It was touched on. They're ready to move forward here. Uh, what, what's your feel, your read on their reaction and, and addressing it. Do you think things are going to be okay? And I know they've been losing, and it's a bit of a roller coaster with is it a close game, is it a blowout? But overall, do you think the team can, can bounce back and kind of rally from this point on post-COVID? Can they move forward? Uh, I mean, they're going to have to. Uh, the question is how well do they do that? And that's what we don't know at this point. Um, I, I think it's clear Kobe doesn't get to that point where he he answers the questions the way he did because it wasn't like he's just all right. I'm going to come on here and I'm going to uh, put everybody on blast. He was answering questions, and that was the only way that he knew how to provide answers answers for those questions. He wanted to be honest about what was going on and what was leading to these issues. Um, and I, I, I don't think it gets to that point where that's like he feels like uh, he can answer it that way if. If things weren't if there wasn't something going on like again he, he mentioned that he had had conversation about it with uh fred hoiberg and um still 
came out and made the, the comment later on, so that mm-hmm. indicates that probably there hasn't been a whole lot that's changed since the initial conversation. We'll see um, if anything changes now going forward after the, the second meeting with Hoiberg and Webster yesterday, and we'll see what happens once they get everybody back onto the practice court and how things go. And it is a, a turning point for this team because, um, I, I mean, I wrote about it in my column that was kind of playing off of those Webster comments. Um, it, it, it really is. It, it's the little things, and that's a lot of what he was talking about that's holding the team back now. And I, I thought kind of early in the season, it's like, well, it, if shots will f- start to fall, then things will cook a little bit more just based on the way they built the roster, and they'll have a chance to compete in these games and get some wins. Well, uh, they've shot almost 40% over the last seven, and they have, have lost six in a row. So it's it's more than just shooting at this point. It's more than making shots. They still aren't doing the hard things, the little things in, in the big moments. They've got stretches of doing it, but the, the whole team hasn't uh, bought into doing it on every possession. And that's what you're going to have to do uh, when you're basically out-talented every single time you take the court in conference play because that is the case for Nebraska. I mean, they've got some better pieces than they have, the last couple of years, but from top to bottom, this team still isn't as talented as most of the teams in, in the Big Ten. So you're going to have to win with attention to detail, with effort, with, with all those little things. And those are the areas where Nebraska is coming up short now. You know, you're trying to put a roster to, together, and this is your, you know, the third time that there's been some returning starters or returning pieces but for the most part nebraska's been in the talent acquisition business and you're bringing in transfers you're bringing in juco you've gone and and you have targeted talent and then you've sprinkled in some high level high school guys with like a guy with like bryce okay uh and it just it just haven't clicked some some of it's been buy-in, buy-in, but some of it's just been meshing uh, together, and just just that chemistry, and and that's just tough because if you're a head coach that knows what good talent looks like, and you've been at a high level in in the Big Twelve, and then you've been to the NBA, you know what a good player looks like. You know how to develop. Uh, pros and college players. You have members of your your coaching staff that have been in college basketball a while, and they've went out and acquired talent for you at other spots. But man, you you just don't know, do you, Jacob? If if all of that can come together and and play for one another, I mean, and a lot of this to me is the why. Why are you, you know, trying to make a play or or take that shot in a crucial moment? I go back to the Indiana game where you're trying to get it down to a one possession difference. And you get a stop, and you don't get a conversion on your end. Indiana comes back and makes you pay. And it could be a wild shot. It could be a shot that just didn't go in. Is it you wanting to be the star, or is it just not being able to execute it? I mean, it it, it seems like this team just can't get out, of, get out of their own way. And their reasoning for doing things, is it to win, or is it for personal glory? Yeah, and... Uh, Webster said, like straight up said, their like personal agendas are kind of getting in the way right now, um, and you can make it out what you will. But it goes back for me. I, I think a lot of those issues 
are, are part of the bigger issue of just roster construction. Mm-hmm. And the team they put together just doesn't fit. They've got too many guys with similar strengths and similar weaknesses. So it's hard to put a full unit out there that can stack up and compete against good teams in the Big Ten. I mean, it's hard to put out a combination of Webster and Verge and Bryce McGowan's and Latman and Tominaga and Wilcher and expect to be able to defend Big Ten teams. Like, none of those guys are above average perimeter defenders. And that puts so much strain on Derek Walker as the back line there. Uh, and then that creates opportunities on the offensive glass if Walker's got to be the last line of defense and challenge shots. So, um, and then on the offensive end, and you've got Tominaga and Wiltshire uh, and Webster out there, like there's a lack of guys that can actually create one-on-one and beat their man, and man as well in that mix. Like They, they just don't have uh, enough versatility. They don't have enough defined roles. And part of that is because a lot of guys probably should be playing similar roles but you've got them out there at the same time. Um, so they just, they're just struggling right now. And I think that leads, like, I think a lot of the verge, uh, the problems with kind of the way that Alonzo verge plays and some of the tunnel vision he gets and some of the over dribbling is a result of, of the, the roster construction and them not having better, uh, better options and, and him not believing or thinking that he has to do so much because they don't have other guys that can go up and beat their man one-on-one. And it's kind of the same thing with Bryce McGowan. He's kind of learning uh, how to play at this level. He's trying to go be a playmaker, but um, it is, it is finding life tough when you're the number one guy on a scouting report. Um, so it, it just uh, – they, they gamble. They kind of sacrifice, all right, we're going to put off everything else. We're going to go get some shooters in this recruiting class to, to round out this lineup and put around guys like Verge and, and Bryce and give them room to work. And the guys haven't shot well enough to offset uh, the weaknesses and kind of the limitations for the roster. And they've they've got some misses too. Like Latman struggling as much as he has this season has been a huge deal, as big or bigger than Trey McGowan's missing as much time as he has with with the injury. Um, Because you really don't have with with Wilhelm Breinbach getting hurt and Trevor Lakes getting hurt and struggling beforehand and Keon Edwards kind of disappearing. You don't have uh, another stretch four option. Uh, you're going four guards when, when Matt's out of the lineup. So that's just kind of a big hole in the lineup right now with the way that he's been playing because he doesn't shoot great and he kind of struggles in a lot of other areas as well. Jacob Bedill is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio giving us some uh, incredible Husker basketball insight. And, and Jacob, I don't mean to look too far ahead here with a, a month and a half still remaining to go in the season, uh, but are these issues that can be fixed in, in one offseason by going and hitting the, the transfer portal, going and hitting JUCO? I mean, the, 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 the ways you've gone to go fix your problems from years past hasn't been able to get the, the problems of last year's team fixed in, in one year. So do you think that the, the problems you've, you've just laid out for us can be fixed in one offseason? I mean, if, if they, uh, with self-evaluation uh, and understanding where things have gone wrong and if they, they go out and get the right guys, yeah, you can turn things around, around in one offseason in basketball. Can you do that at Nebraska with, with their current situation and what we've seen so far? That, uh, that is probably a little bit tougher than just, average, like just kind of the average program doing it, just with what we've seen recently and where Nebraska sits in the basketball landscape, especially with, I mean, 
the, the biggest problem with them kind of burning this opportunity is uh, th- this was their chance to kind of get that momentum back. Obviously, the first couple of years were rough, mm-hmm. um, but you kind of had Hoiberg's name and his NBA pedigree and all that to kind of sell. And you had the fan base because they were excited. You obviously, big crowds and all that. Well, all that's starting to, to wane. And you brought in your best recruiting class with your first five-star and another top 150 kid. Um, and it's the product isn't looking any better. So um, they're kind of in a dangerous spot now where this was their chance to really kind of pick up some momentum and get this program headed in the right direction. And now you burn that. So that makes it even tougher because, all right, now what what ammo are you using to make that leap? Um, the fan base, it's, like it's a lot harder to sell the fan base if they're not showing up to the game. And we're seeing fewer and fewer people go to the games at this point as the losing streak and the issues continue. Um, so it, it's just kind of a tough spot right now. Can they do it? Absolutely. I mean, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. They, they've, they've got some key pieces. We'll see kind of what, what guys come back, what guys don't, who, who becomes available, who they have ties with, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's certainly possible, but it's kind of a, a steep uphill climb right now with where they're at currently. Jacob Padilla is with us, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, we're uh, up against a, a hard time right now commercial-wise. I want to take two minutes on the other side if we can and just get, get a couple of thoughts from you on uh, high school basketball, if that's all right. Can we have you hang on? Yep, sounds good. All right, man. Hang on for us. Uh, Jacob Adela knocking it out, as always, with Husker basketball. And uh, be sure to read his column uh, with uh, just some of his thoughts and reaction to uh, kind of the week that's been. And then you pile on a pause where you're not going to get to go out there and try and take it to Ohio State. And who knows what happens Tuesday with Wisconsin coming into town. But uh, more with Jacob Padilla. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A couple more minutes with Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. A couple of different podcasts he has. Husker Basketball High School Hoops with the Ad Media family. Check that out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And uh, we just spent uh, quite a bit of time here on Nebraska basketball. They're on pause due to COVID. But a rough week for the Big Red as they try and regroup. Jacob, uh, I went out uh, last night to, to Southwest and Northeast as a big-time matchup. I know you were there covering it as well. I was really, really impressed by how physical and uh, good defensively Northeast was. They got off to a brutal start, didn't blink, and uh, just continued to grind. I also think Ben Hunziker was incredible. I love his athleticism, his explosiveness for Southwest. Uh, so, you know, it was it was a good ball game, a tight ball game, and, and Northeast got a huge road win. Uh, you look at, at both these teams in Lincoln, as you project here, you think Northeast can continue to stay hot, and you think Southwest can can rebound, because there's so much talent for, for Coach Baugh's squad uh, out there at the nest. Yeah, and yeah, I've been, I thought Northeast had a chance to uh, be a pretty good team this year. Uh, I didn't see it clicking to this degree, and I didn't see them being the best team in Lincoln, and, and that's clearly what they've been to this point. They're 6-1. and one against the other Lincoln teams. And the only loss was to a Pius team that they uh, have beat as well. So they split with uh, that team. And 
it's a talented team that just hasn't found consistency. So um, Northeast, they, they, they're they really salty on defense. They're tough, physical, kind of Porter Basel at the back end of that with blocking shots and rebounding the ball. And then they've just got guys that are capable of stepping up to give you just enough offensively. Last night it was Xander Beard with 21, uh, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He had three different and ones, hit a big three-pointer. Um and it, it was G. Gatnor off the bench in, in the, the hack final in that win over Pius. Um, they, they've just got a, a number. Christian Wynn's been their leading scorer this year and is capable of having big games. So they, they're just really, they play well together. They're tough and physical, like you said, and then they get just enough offensively to come out with the win. Southwest, uh, Southwest on the other hand, like you look at the roster and the length, um, they just have so many long, athletic guys. they got a few guys that can shoot the ball. There certainly is some potential there, but they, they do have to figure some things out. They're, um, it's a couple of, uh, what, they're like two and two in Lincoln right now. Um, I think something like that. Um, they, that was a big missed opp- opportunity to get Northeast back because um, they beat them uh, in the hack tournament, I believe, um, and they got it at their own place and weren't able to get it done. So there's still some ground to make up there. But with Rylan Smith and Ben Hunziker, like you said, who was really good last night as well, they've got the talented enough backcourt. I feel bad. Dylan Reed Miller, I think, would have been a key role player for them. And injuries have basically kind of robbed him of his entire senior season. He got hurt a couple times, came back, got hurt again, and sounds like he's going to be out for the year. So that's a guy that I think kind of would have helped just with his physicality and how hard he plays. But they've got enough talented basketball players there that uh, I think they'll be tougher in the second half of the season, but they definitely have to kind of find a little bit more of an offensive identity and uh, get a little bit going more on that end. Jacob, uh, you're uh, at uh, Bell West tonight, correct? Prep and make that, excuse me, West Side and Prep. West Side, yep. Give me that preview, man. That's dynamite. Yeah, well, it's obviously uh, a great rivalry. Um, I think a lot of people know that. I, I went to prep myself. I've got a lot of friends that are coaching at, at Westside right now. Um, should be a fun one. Westside's been on an absolute roll since they kind of bounced back from that that early season loss to Millard North. Uh, and they, they've got so many uh, so many tough physical guards. And then they've got Tate Oddbody's uh, made a leap this year. Has been healthy, a big time scorer. Preps uh, they've dealt with so many injuries. Um, they've been winning uh, kind of a lot of low scoring finished strong type of battles recently. Um, they've got Luke Jungers, who is committed to Omaha. Martel Evans is a really explosive guard in the backcourt. It'll be fun to see him go up against likes of Chandler Meeks and Reggie Thomas and them. Um, so we'll see. I think, obviously, Westside's favored, the number one team going in, uh, and perhaps kind of had their struggles just with the health issues. Uh, I'm not even sure who they're going to have in the lineup <laughs> Uh, tonight, but um, I mean, Coach Ludke is one of the best, and you know he's going to find a way to get those guys to compete. Last thought here: This is college football with uh, Nebraska, uh, Jacob, and a take here on on Mickey Joseph's impact, what it can be in the, in the metro regions recruiting Nebraska. We've seen and detailed uh, a lot of in-state kids that have gone elsewhere. Nebraska has not been. The Nebraska I grew up with for a while, where you know the border was locked down. Uh, you've had a lot of kids get great opportunities at some other big time schools. Uh, Mickey's making a, a just a fierce effort. Coach Joseph is 
uh, from the get-go here to, to make sure he's seen and known around the high schools. Uh, that, that's got to be a really good sign for Nebraska, don't you think? Oh, definitely, and I think that was a big priority, uh, bringing him in, and it's probably one of the first things they discuss after uh, he signed on. Like, all right, this is this is an area where we really got to make some inroads, particularly in Omaha. And we've seen last week in Lincoln and Omaha, this week in Omaha, we've seen him making the rounds as well as other coaches. Um, Coach Barrett Rude still out there, um, continuing the, those relationships. I think Eric Chenander has been out. So uh, they're really – making an effort now i think they were really behind the eight ball recruiting wise this last season because they were focused so much on trying to do what they needed to 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 get wins on the court or on the field rather and um i think now they're really saying hey we we really got to dive back in here uh mickey joseph is a huge addition and he's a guy that's going to give them credibility in, in the omaha high schools it's a guy that's from here that understands it um like he's he's got a lot of experience here um, and has had success at Nebraska and has had success at the highest level elsewhere as well. So he brings a lot of experience uh, from all over the place um, to, to the, the Lincoln staff. And uh, I think he's a great guy to kind of there to supplement, uh, I think, Barrett Rude's efforts as kind of the in-state guy. It's good to not just kind of have Barrett be the, the, the sole guy kind of uh, running all, all those relationships, you, you got to invest a little bit more at this point. We've seen they haven't done enough to establish those relationships in Omaha, and I think Mickey getting involved is a great way to uh, to kind of change that narrative. Jacob Badilla, great stuff. Follow him uh, on Twitter at Jacob Badilla underscore. Read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. His podcasts uh, with the Herdad Media family, Nebraska basketball, and, of course, high school basketball. Uh, can check those out, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Jacob, have a great weekend of hoops, bud. We'll, we'll get caught up again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We went overtime with him, but God love him for uh, taking and making time. He's uh, all about it, man. Big-time hoops junkie. Knows it real well, coaches it at a high level, and good to hear from him. Bill Dolman's going to be with us. He's uh, gearing up for the Olympics. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, I don't know. This is fifth, sixth, seventh Olympics for Bill Dolman. So uh, he is gearing up for uh, his uh, coverage. Uh, where is that Beijing again? Where it's going to be? No. It's like somewhere near there, though, I think. Yeah. All I know is there's not going to be any Olympic race walking, and I'm disappointed. Well, and you're going to – don't get him started. <laughs> don't get Billy D started on that. But we'll get his take on, on uh, in-state recruiting, the importance in uh, what Nebraska has with Mickey Joseph helping with that. Uh, more on uh, the Big Red. Uh, nice weekend here for Husker football is uh, some big-time visitors in. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Bill Dolman next. We'll sit down with NFLer Jay Moore, get his playoff predictions this weekend. Uh, basketball tonight, uh, Motsi will have... I should just have a roster in front of me. Motsi tonight is going to be at Lincoln Southwest for uh, the Northeast girls taking on the Southwest girls. The fighting Tim Berda's baby. Mm-hmm. All right, Lincoln Southwest girls. Not that they were cheering. I'm just saying the fighting Tim Berda's are in action at home tonight. Uh, Northeast is uh, good stuff as well. And I'll have Pius and Carney 
the uh, invasion of one Doug Duda mm. for News Channel Nebraska. He's going to be in town. He's on TV. Yeah, Doug Doug Duda had to trim the old goatee up. I think. Uh, does he also get the uh, the gold jacket he gets to wear on TV? Like I, I, I know the uh, the Norfolk affiliate gets the gold jackets they wear on TV. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if he's going to do the old John Madden jacket tonight or not. Mm. But uh, he has commandeered me for for suds later. Oh, that'll be good. He's like, dude, beer after? Yeah, easy for sure. We'll do that. Where are you meeting at? I don't know yet. That we'll we'll see. We'll see. Tim Bob's doing the game with me, so. I'm fired up, man. I haven't done a game since pre-Christmas. It's been a while. I know know you love high school basketball, so. No, I know. I just, yeah. So back at it tonight, we'll have uh, Southeast and Northeast tomorrow night over on our sister station, KFOR. Airtime 720 on that one. It is because you've got uh, NFL playoff action. So as soon as Cincinnati, dare I say it, upsets Tennessee tomorrow afternoon on ESPN. You're going to have uh, Green Bay and San Fran tomorrow night. Joey Bosa's been cleared. Bosa has been cleared. That is huge. Because uh, he's uh, incredible. It'd be nice if I got his name right. I said Joey. Joey's the other Bosa brother that's an animal. This is Nick. This is Nick. Nick. Joey and Nick. Do you get them confused? Or do you say Bosa? Just just, okay. It's the same with the Watt brothers. It's just Watt. Okay. Yeah, the Watts. Well, one's near retirement. The other's killing it for Pittsburgh. Who do we got? We got Chris on the line. Chris, thanks for calling, man. Go ahead. Shreddy. Hey. Um, so with winter conditioning right around the corner, I think they haven't quite started yet, have they? I think they got rocking early this week. Yeah, okay. So remember back when they used to put off that performance index and make that all public? Did, did they don't? Are you a fan of, of keeping that stuff in-house, or would you rather see them divulge some of that information? I thought they were moving, quite honestly, towards doing that again. I mean, that's how Coach Frost and a lot of the guys that are on staff grew up. And I like how they did it last year, where it wasn't everyone's performance index was available, but they did highlight the top performers. Yeah. I like that. I mean, you were part of it, Chris. I mean, what did you think of it? Well, there was a certain level of pride that went along with some of the that stuff. So I, I always I was a fan of it, and I I I knew they were trending that way. I just haven't seen them like come out and officially say that yes, we're going to do this like we used to. I just I think that it motivated people, you know, to to maybe possibly get their name in the news and things like that. But um, anyway, I just it's something that I hadn't heard talked about lately so i wanted to bring it up no i think i think it's always a a cool thing to show the gains you've made from one year to the to another and if you make a a monster jump that's that's just kind of motivation for for you as a player i would think totally there were because there were people behind the scenes walk-on guys that were you know scoring just as well as some of your high profile scholarship guys and that was always a cool thing to be included in that category so well we'll see if it it happens again chris thanks for buzzing buddy yep see you man bye welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz 
Back with you, Tower 2, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Hour 2 kicks off uh, Friday at 5 with the Pride of Fairbury and NBC Sports. Bill Dolman, we're streaming live on ESPN Lincoln Facebook, on ESPN Lincoln Twitter. The uh, Pride of Fairbury is Bill Dolman. Follow him on Twitter at Bill Dolman. Billy D, you are gearing up close and close and closer we get to Olympic coverage again. The, man, you're in the Olympics uh, quite often. You've been in the Olympics uh, more than, well, some some uh, former Russian countries. Well done, brother. <laughs> this will be my, uh, my fourth, my fourth Olympics. And uh, you are in the NBC Olympic Highlands Ranch studio right now. I love that. I will be broadcasting from home. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my first opportunity to call biathlon for the Olympics, which is the world's greatest sport, if you ask me. Uh, and our coverage begins on February 5th with biathlon. But everything, I think, starts up February 3rd. And I won't be doing curling, uh, which you know, oh, I'm going to miss because it's so quirky. But uh, nevertheless, biathlon's great and looking forward to it. And I'm understanding a lot of uh, my brothers and sisters at NBC will be not going to Beijing either. So uh, it's certainly a unique situation for everybody. I was right. I said it was Beijing, Elijah. Uh, well, shows what I know. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Hasn't it been in Beijing quite often? I mean, China's bid for, we'll get into football, folks, I promise, in two seconds. But China's bid for and, and received quite a bit of Olympic coverage here recently. Well, it's kind of the it, it's the Asian triad right now. They they've been in Pyeongchang. The last Winter Games were in Pyeongchang. The the last Summer Games were in Tokyo, and now Beijing is hosting the Winter Games. It's also hosted the Summer Games. So right. it's uh, the first time the one city's had both. Um, it's going to be unique because nobody has been there. Uh, in biathlon, or I don't think any venue has had anybody there other than the Chinese athletes. Mm-hmm. So when those athletes go and to compete you know, be it in downhill or be it in an arena or certainly with our biathlon and cross-country athletes, none of the athletes have actually been to the the facility. So the first time that they're ever going to compete will be on the biggest stage ever. And uh, that makes it, uh, that's going to make it pretty interesting. And the results might be something that is completely unexpected. Um, but it's the way it is, you know, and there's not going to be any fans there that I understand. So uh, it'll be a, it'll be a different show. There's no question. Bill Dolman's with us. Uh, NBC Sports, the Pride of Fairbury, Hale Varsity Radio. We're live streaming a uh, Friday at five with Bill. So, Billy D, let's dive in here. Uh, some thoughts. And this is what we kind of kicked the show off with. And it it's interesting as we look at the most important edition for Nebraska football. We can get into the portal player or or recruit or JUCO. Uh, when we talk about today's era of college football, retention needs to be mentioned. Who'd you keep on your team? Who'd you keep from jumping into the portal? But I want to go down the coaching staff. Give me give me your top give me your top two names of of most important additions for Nebraska football. Can be either player or new assistant. Well, I'm going to go back to what uh, you know. I said I think it was last week or the week before, or um, and I'm right about this. Uh, I I still think it comes down to Donovan Raiola. It's the offensive line. Ding 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 um, ding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 
it's surprising and it's great that Nebraska brought in the the, the two quarterbacks uh, in Thompson and Purdy. I, I, I think everybody's kind of shocked by that. I'm still just because of, out of loyalty rooting for Logan Smothers. Mm-hmm. Now I hope Casey Thompson does well. I hope Casey uh, uh, Purdy Chubby is it Chubby Chubby uh, Purdy Chubba is where we're going. Chubba Chubby <laughs> Chubba Purdy. We'll I just, hope he does we'll just, well. We'll just walk uh, along with the Chubba and Chubby. Yeah, and, yeah. And just just yeah. keep on moving. Uh, you know, I, I hope they do well. But look, Smothers. You know, he wanted to be a Husker. And he's he's stuck out, and I, I I hope that there's a competitor in him that says, "All right, I don't care who you bring in, um, I'm going to be the guy." You know, Heinrich Harburg, great Richard Torres, all these guys. But it, it is it's cool that Nebraska got you know two of the most probably impactful quarterback transfers this year, and I'm surprised that Purdy decided to 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 come to Nebraska after Thompson. But um, but I, I still go back to it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter how many running backs uh, Applewhite has in, in his room. It, it comes down to can that offensive line perform? Is it physical? Is it nasty? Is it strong? Is it uh, Does it have endurance? I mean, it, it, we cannot have first and goal at the one and not get in. That's <laughs> just Nebraska football should never, ever have – have the ball first and goal from the five and never score. Never have it second down and two and never get a first down. That just should never, ever happen. Um, and that's, you know, it comes down to the offensive line. And, and I think to a certain extent, because he's getting this opportunity, and I know that he, you know, he worked with the Bears and that's all cool, but this is his offensive line. Mm-hmm. And he has a legacy with his brother, you know, to understand that's the kind of offensive lineman Nebraska needs to have, like his brother. Um, uh, so I, I think him getting this opportunity is is very very significant, you know. And Mickey coming back, uh, I think is great. Um, I think Brian Kelly made a huge mistake not keeping Mickey around. I think so too. Um, <laughs> you know, but maybe for Mickey's sake, it's probably best that he got away from that guy. Um, but I, I think I think Mickey coming back is is really going to be uh, is a significant thing. So is is there one or two? I probably would say those those two positions. You know, the Bill Bush. You know, Bill's been around Nebraska so many times and grew up here. He knows what the program is. I, it's like I, I have zero concern about Bill Bush doing a great job, whatever assignment that Nebraska was going to to give him. And maybe at, at fifty six, um, his age. You know, maybe this is, you know, something that rejuvenates his career, that he understands how important Nebraska football is and to the state, mm-hmm. not just to do well for his resume. His resume has you know, been incredible that, anyway, but he right. he's, a, he's a Nebraska guy that, that is happy to be back here. I want to go there for a moment, Bill, and we, we've spent some time since it is uh, a, a visit weekend for Nebraska. There's some kids coming into town a junior day, and you know Nebraska's trying to ramp up recruiting uh, the high school ranks and the portal options, of course. But Mickey Joseph's done a, a, just a fantastic job of making it known to high school coaches in Omaha and in Lincoln the last couple of Fridays that uh, no one will outwork me for your guys. That is important. Uh, it is important, and specifically here from a recency standpoint, Nebraska has been beaten. Uh, time will tell if they were beaten for future NFL guys that are elsewhere, that are now at Oregon or pick a school at Missouri, at Oklahoma, at Auburn. I mean, there's been a, 
an influx of talent at the level where we're talking Pac-12, Big Ten, Iowa for sure, and then, of course, some SEC schools have raided because there's no more borders anymore with technology and kids getting noticed. Uh, 25, 30 years ago, you know how important that Nebraska portion of the recruiting class that helped win that 94 championship was. And Coach Osborne and his staff nailed in-state. A little different level of football now versus then, as in Nebraska's trying to get to 500. Uh, Nebraska was trying not to put up 500 first-half yards 30 to 35 years ago on teams, right? So is Mickey going to be that difference maker? Uh, in your opinion here, to kind of reconnect with some Metro high school coaches in Lincoln and in Omaha? Well, I'm sure that he understood how important it was back when he was here as a player, and I'm sure he's observed it from his time when he coached at Wayne State. You know, Uh, He certainly was invaluable to LSU uh, given his ties to uh, all of the Louisiana high schools. You know, because Mickey coached, I think, at every single – uh, college in the state of Louisiana before getting to LSU. He's a different level. And, and I said this he? when yeah. he got hired. I, I said this when he got hired. I, I think that it was a significant hire for for Scott because Mickey is is so well respected. I've read about this, you know, and since Mickey came back, you know, he's very well respected by all of the coaches, not just in Louisiana but in the neighboring areas. You know, Texas and you know down through the the, the southern states. So, you know. Those are coaches that respect him for the, ta- the path that he has taken to get to where he is. And he's developed relationships with those coaches, which was, you know, something significant that Nebraska's coaches did for so many years under Tom. You know, the, uh, Milt and Dan and George and Charlie, they're beloved. We're beloved by, you know, coaches all around the state of Nebraska, but also around the country. They just, you know, enjoyed them, respected them, respected the program, and one of the best for their athletes. And so when, you know, somebody showed up at a high school, they entrusted their player, parents entrusted their son, to those men because they were comfortable with them. And I think Mickey, uh, from what I have read, developed those kind of relationships down south and especially in the state of Louisiana. And that's why I said it was a, a huge thing for Brian Kelly to not try to, you know, keep him there for whatever reason. And I think Brian Kelly's going to have a hard time establishing those relationships with the high school coaches in Louisiana. You know, you're losing somebody like that. And LSU lost somebody like Bill Bush who, you know, is a great recruiter and knows how to develop relationships and knows the Nebraska way of developing relationships. And you've got to have strong ties to those schools in Lincoln and in Omaha. And I, you know, I go back to something I've mentioned on the show before, and I mentioned it when it happened back when we were doing the Average Joe Sports Show. Do you have the coffee mug? What? Do you have product placement? Uh, uh, it's in the dishwasher. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, there, there, was, there was a story, you know, this is, this is back in the Callahan era. Um, where where Bill and and you know a couple of his assistants went up to Omaha and I think it was Omaha Westside's coach at the time and I, I don't know chapter and verse as to who's coaching in Nebraska any longer but the coach made the comments like well it was really great when the when the head coach of the University of Nebraska you know makes an effort or you know stops by and, and wants to talk about your program this was like two or three years into Bill Callahan's tenure and it was the first time he'd been there and there were coaches around Lincoln that you know quite well. Uh, and I'm sure I've had a gin and tonic with from time to time who said, <laughs> Bill didn't show up at Lincoln Southeast. 
you know, and Bo wasn't exactly, you know, uh, knocking on the doors, but it was almost like, and I think Chuck Mazursky, when he was the head coach of Lincoln Southeast, was taking his teams to go to uh, Joe Glenn's going to Wyoming. football camps in the summer at Wyoming. Because all of a sudden, it was like, well, I'm not going to recruit this area. You know, we won the national championship in 97, and I think nine of the 11 starters on offense were Nebraska kids. Mm. You know, and I can remember back in the day when you could name the, the, the great recruits who got out of Nebraska. Larry Station, Sean Ridley. Larry Station, Sean Ridley. It uh, was a big deal. Junior Bryant, Creighton Prep. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying it was it was like oh my gosh, somebody actually went to Iowa, you know, uh, you know, it was a Danny Godwin was a running back out of Central, and uh, but it it happened, but it was so infrequent. But you've got to have coaches who understand that you can keep those kids in town. And I've and I said this before, Garrett Nelson to me was the most important recruit that Scott Frost got when he first got to Lincoln. The Garrett Nelson is the most important recruit because he's a Nebraska kid, outstate, tougher than hell. Motor's always going. You know, I'm a huge fan of Garrett Nelson just because of his Nebraska ties and understanding. He got there and he hit the ground running, and he's probably hitting the ground right now running. Well, Chris, I'll let you jump in here just a second. I just got a comment to make because you, you look at the defense and they have been building up in that 500 mile radius. You look at the guys that were, were impact players last season. Ben Stilley, a Nebraska kid. Garrett Nelson, a Nebraska kid. Uh, Luke Reimer, a Nebraska kid. Even before that from Kansas, 500 Henrich. mile radius. Henrich, Nebraska kid. You have Jojo Doman, 500 mile radius. I know oh, he's wow. a Colorado kid, but it's still in that area. Uh Hutmacher, the polar bear, South Dakota, 500-mile radius. The defense seems to be building that way. It's the offense that's lagging behind it and getting those in-state kids in. But you have some. Uh, is it Betts is from Omaha. I think from Bellevue. Betts is Omaha. Allen, the West. Or, yeah. I mean, th- there's not Allen, a ton of them. Heinrich sure. Harnberg, but Harburg. But the, you know, th- yeah, but you, you, you can't build the whole thing, but you can certainly find talent, enough talent, and and, and I, the more, the more pride in the state and the heart that a kid has – you know, you're going to get yourself, you're going to build a three-star into a five-star for whatever that's worth, just if you get them in the right system and, the you know, you really tap into what they can offer. So, Bill, but yeah, getting back to it, Mickey is Mickey's a great addition. There's no question about it, and he understands how important those kids are. Bill, about a minute and a half here, uh, the bar known as Casey's growing up. Shout out to, to Joe Glenn, who came on with us Monday after, after we uh, did a quick hit with you. Man, it was fun growing up in Nebraska, wasn't it, Bud? Uh, as as a kid, uh, uh, all the all the bars. Uh, I'd always go <laughs> as a four or five year old after my dad's softball games, and you would uh, find your way to a watering hole, and even helped uh, build some character, I believe, during college. Correct? Yeah, I I, I spent a fair amount of my time prior to like age 12 Same. At, at a number of, of Lincoln establishments. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, my, my dad passed away when I was three and I had a, a dear friend, Cliff Rigg, about 12, I don't know how much older Cliff was from me, 30 or some years. He, he married my mom's best friend and they owned a flower shop in Crete. And, and uh, Cliff was basically the Tom Hayden to the Corleones. Sure. Cliff was that to the, to the Glenn family, Joe's brothers, Bob and Pat and Jim and uh, Mike and the whole family of Glenn's and they kind of adopted me and my mom as a, as a member of the family as well. And they were, they are a fun and loving and fun loving family. 
And that involved imbibing from time to time or a lot of the time. And we would go to, uh, you know, Casey's. And I remember the original sidetrack downtown with Pat and Joyce Duran, which was uh, underneath the viaduct before it went to O Street, Arnold's Tavern, the Tam O'Shanter. Tam, baby. Um, <laughs> you know, it was quite a way to grow up. And I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, smoke gets in your eyes when you're eight. And I certainly had plenty of it. But I had a lot of fun with that family. Prepared too. you for Denver, brother. Bill, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll rock and roll next Friday. Thanks so much for jumping on. If not before then, I mean, I got nothing to do. We can talk biathlon or whatever. You know? <laughs> we'll uh, check in. Thanks to Bill Dolman. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Blackshirt Husker NFLer, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay Moore with us. Bird, you ready for a football weekend? I am ready. I'm, I'm especially ready for that Bengals game tomorrow afternoon. So are you going to just show up in your old throwback Esiason jersey? Are you an Icky Woods guy? Jason Buck, the fearsome defensive lineman from BYU back in the day? Or are you just going to show up as Jay Moore? No, no. I actually got a, I actually got a Bengals hoodie. Um, really? Pretty sweet one. It's, oh, yeah. Um, I will hit up Zach here. He's gonna. I, I paid for it, which it's ridiculous. I had to pay for it because my, you know, my college roommate and that coach needs to send me a care package of some of some XL and double X Bengals issued gear from from the equipment room. Uh, that's that's for. I'm gonna I'm let him off the hook, but then he's. I'm gonna get a hold of him after the season's done, or hell, I might just have to go to Cincinnati and see him because I paid for it. But I got a deal on it. But it was pretty sweet. It's like their throwback Bengals look. It's like the old school Bengal tiger with like a helmet. It's pretty sweet. So got that. I'll be I'll be rocking that. I can't I can't wear a jersey. I feel like that just like breaks the grown man. I just can't do it. Well, otherwise, because I you know I looking you know trying to find Bengals gear in, in Nebraska. It's it's not the easiest thing. So like you can get some Burrow stuff, mm-hmm. which. I would if I guess I was going to break my rule on a grown man wearing a jersey. I guess I could rock a, a Burrow one because obviously he's I'm repping the you know he has, he's has Nebraska in him and mm-hmm. so I think that's that could work. But I I just couldn't do it still. So yeah, I got a little throwback retro hoodie that'll be donned tomorrow at three thirty when they they uh, are down in Nashville taking on the Titans. Jay Moore's with us. Jay, let's just be honest. Up until this year. There's been a surplus of Bengals gear in this country. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I mean, yeah, yeah you got to go back to the Esiason era, but no, and I think that's uh, that's some quality dirty laundry that's just been aired. Your your college roommate, uh, who you love, you got Bengals gear, but again, it was it was out of your own wallet. <laughs> Versus that's all right. Hey, package. Yeah, no, he's he's gonna. Yeah, there'll be he's a phone busy. call made after in the off season here when he's when everything kind of slows down for him, which it never does when you're head coach in the NFL. But that's yeah, I need some Bengals gear. You know, can I can I can a brother get some Bengals gear? You know, to work out in and uh-huh. you know and to represent. You know, that's pretty good. Jay's with us here, Jay Moore, <laughs> of our city radio. Jay, uh, good story from Mitch Sherman. 
And a uh, question for you off of uh, Mitch's story here. What assistant hire is most important for Nebraska here as we look at 2022? Man, you know, <laughs> each and every one of them is pretty important. Yeah. But I look at – if I had to break them all down, we had to kind of get macro with this all mm-hmm. and, and really – get intri- like intrinsic and deep dive into it uh, you know i would say the mickey joseph hire is it's very important because i think he brings the recruiting aspect to it he has the street cred there recruiting and and having the ability to teach him the jamar chases you know he has that ability to go there and to recruit and say hey i've developed these guys into first run NFL talent and then i look at you know uh the 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 running back tire the coach from TCU you know I'm like you know, okay that's good you, it's a very important position you know that's been kind of a, a round table of backs there that you know that you really haven't had our bell cow you know there's been been some injuries but you know you can maybe correlate between poor offensive play and poor running back play mm-hmm. then you look at to me now the most probably two most important hires is. Rayola with offensive line because I mean you can rewind you can go back and play any of my you know my uh, tapings with you on, on here you know it's I've I've been very critical of offensive line and uh, this offense will, won't get any better until the offensive line gets better so I think that's very important I think and then Bill Bush being your special teams coach you know that's that's very paramount for this team to get over the hurdle of winning winning or, or you want to call it losing all these close games they've been into because it comes down to making extra points and, and making field goals and not getting puns blocked and not giving up kickoff returns and, you, you know, you name it. So I, if I had to rank them probably, I would, I would say Rayola being one, Bill Bush being two, uh, I would say Mickey Joseph being three, and then the running back, you know, it's, it's very critical, but I don't think it's as critical. So I, I think that – if the running, if the O line develops and gets better with Rayola, the running back room will be will will, will turn out just fine. But I, I would say, you know, Rayola and Bush, would, you know, you could be, you could say one A, one B, in being the most important hires this off season. Jay, I'm with you. You can really make an, an argument for a lot of these coaches being the most important hire because really all of them are critical. Um, but another factor to, to look at here is the players that are coming in to be coached by these players or by these coaches, excuse me. So, so I want to ask you a similar question. But do, do you think it's more important uh, for these coaches to come in and perform well, or do you think it's more important for these transfer players to come in and perform well? Which do you think uh, will will be more important in the success of the team next season? Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of like the you know, the chicken or the egg, right? So the coaches provide one thing, but, you know, you look at some of these, whether it's the, you know, the quarterbacks or the running backs coming in or the wide receivers, whoever ever it is, you know, I, I, it, it's tough. I would say I'd probably lean on, I want to say the players. I want to say it's more important for the players that come in. But, I, again, I always, I'm always hesitant to put a ton of stock into a guy who is transferring because what you know there's there's a reason why he's transferring right why why is that why is uh, whoever you wanted the quarterback or, or the running whoever it is why are they transferring well there's is is there an issue there was it a playing time issue was it a character issue was it you know so there's always a why are they transferring right are they not tough enough to stick it out 
um, are so that always I'm always hesitant to go that route. So, you know, talking through it, I might honestly lean on you know the coaches as you know even more. Now, now I'm talking this out loud just because I think you know that's more you know that's that's more foundational. You know, I think it's important to get your room right, to get your your guys to buy into a certain method, to operate at a certain level, and to set standards. And I think so. I would honestly, I'd say the coaches now that I talk about, because I think if you're leaning on whether it's a recruit or or a, a transfer, whoever it is, I, I you know you're dealing with young kids, and yeah, they have to play. But I think the coaches have to get in the right mindset, develop them, get the right mindset, get the right work ethic, uh, attention to detail. I think this this team has missed out on that gratefully since Frost has got here. I think the attention to detail it, it has not been good, and it needs to be better. And I think that's where the coaches can really step in and and help them, you know, you know, all these close losses, you know, you, you, instead of having five of them, maybe, you, you know, you only have, you know, one, you can get out, you know, you sneak out four wins and, and hell, you're, you know, seven and five sure sounds better than, than three and nine. And, and you're playing for, you know, you're playing in halfway decent bowl games in, in uh, late December, early January. A few minutes here, Jay Moore's with us, Hale City Radio. Jay, let's talk uh, recruiting in-state. And uh, you've seen a, a pretty big-time emphasis on uh, that aspect by Mickey Joseph. He's been in Omaha the last couple uh, uh, of, of, of Fridays. He's been seeing kids in Lincoln. I mean, he is, he is hitting the, the street big time. And uh, Rudy uh, Barrett's out in, in western Nebraska, I believe, as well. And just your take here on kind of a renewed emphasis uh, maybe a doggedness, so to speak, by Nebraska. They've had, you know, a few kids stick, but there's been way too many guys getting out of state to some pretty big time programs. Uh, I don't think Mickey's going to take no for an answer from uh, kids in state, and even Bill Bush hitting uh, different parts of the 500 mile radius. Well, it's it's important. I, I mean, I don't know. There's since. You know, since Solich was fired, you know, there's always been a mixed, you know, review or a mixed sense of, you know, recruiting in the state. And for a long time, the talent in the state was, I wouldn't say non-existent, but it wasn't what it was like, you know, in the mid-90s, early 2000s, where there was, you had four to six D1 guys year in and year out. Whether you come to Nebraska or maybe they go to Iowa or Iowa State or, or K-State. And, and like I say, it's it's gotten incredibly better, you know, in the last five to six years, I mean, it's going down the list. And, and here's the, the, you know, back in those days, you did, I wouldn't say they didn't recruit the state hard, but I don't think you, you necessarily had to because your product sold itself. You know, you had all these kids that were able to come to all these games and, and drive, you know, whether 15 minutes to the stadium, if they live in Lincoln or an hour, if they live in Omaha or maybe an hour and a half, two hours, if they live in Grand Island or, you know, if they're close and the product sold itself and you have to, I mean, they didn't have to recruit me hard. That's where I wanted to go. You know, I was a Nebraska kid, you know, nowadays you have to recruit these Nebraska kids harder because your product isn't good. And <laughs> they want to go somewhere and be a part of a, of a better product, whether that's a, an Oklahoma, an Auburn, uh, an Oregon, uh, you know, you just go down the, the list in Iowa you just go on the list of, of schools where a lot of or Notre Dame, where all these kids have, have slipped away to because the product's better. 
And I don't, I don't know if this staff or, or Riley staff or if it was Bo staff, if they recruited the area hard enough. But it's just, it's just, it's, a, it's as simple as that. The product isn't as good, and if, <laughs> and it's a damn shame that, uh, you know, all this great in-state talent is, is slipping away. It's, it's very unfortunate, and it, and it, it hurts. Because it hurts me to, to know that we have all, you know, all this talent here. You know, and you can you can even say the same thing for the, with the basketball program. I mean, all this great in-state talent that we have, and we can't keep it in state for the most part. It's it's not it's not good, but it's just purely because kids want to go play and be a part of somewhere. You know that they that they see good products. I mean, when I was growing, I mean, hell, Nebraska was the best team, was a top five team year in year out when I was growing up. <laughs> it didn't matter. I mean, hell, they're not even a top five team in the Big Ten West in the last four years. So, like, that, that's, that's hard to want to go play, even though if it's in the backyard and, or wherever, that's, that's tough. That's, that's really, really hard. And when, as soon as, this, you know, again, you want to talk about the chicken or the egg thing, you, know, you got you to win first to get better recruits or you got to recruit better to get more wins. So, you know, it's, it's tough. They're in a tough position. But, you know, you, you got to recruit the state hard. And you have to recruit even harder because these kids – don't see a good product. They don't see wins, you know, on TV, you know, on Saturdays. So you you got to you got to you got to go above and beyond what you had to do in the past, in my opinion. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few minutes here, Jay Moore's with us. Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, I, I think uh, with a guy like Mickey Joseph to to. to point out to what you touched on chase and jefferson or two advertisements every sunday you know at the wide mm-hmm. receiver position but just from a uh a, a mentality standpoint of uh no one's gonna beat me on you you know that's kind of mickey's mantra and and he's going to be saying that to kids he knows and connections he has down south but he's going to be doing that here in the state and in the metro regions, and I think that's a that's a very uh, big thing. That's a different thing moving forward for Nebraska. Jay, a couple minutes, we'll get you out. Need your picks. Uh, Cincy and Tennessee, why does Cincy get it done? Man, I honestly think they get it done is because they, they've played. They've played a game already, you know, and I don't know the whole – I mean – do, does Tennessee get Derrick Henry back? You know, he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't played in a long time. He'll get him so, back, I mean, but what's he going to be like? Correct. So, you know, what's that? I just I lean I, again. We I think I talked about this last Friday. You kind of want to go with the team with a little bit of a hot hand. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, that Burrow Chase connection right now is is tough to beat. It is really really hard to beat. The teams, you know, in the NCAA tournament, you always see the teams who play to want a playoff game or the play in game go a little deeper. You know, and they, they beat, you know, might be that 12 seed and they beat a five seed, you know, because they just, they got, they got the rust knocked off a little bit. So that's, I would lean, you know, you know, since you that, that way in, in that aspect, you know, other than that, though, I honestly think I would probably lean chalk in the rest of them. So you, you say know, Kansas just, City narrowly? Oh, that's that one's tough. That one, you know, I look at the you know the earlier matchup this year where Buffalo just yeah, smoked them. Kansas yeah. City was yeah, Kansas City was in a tough spot. You know, they weren't playing very good football. I think they're better. But I don't know. Buffalo is different though. They are different. Josh Allen's playing at a at a tough level. I would so I'm glad you brought that up. 
I, I, I think that's the other one where I think Buffalo could could do could could make that work. That's that's a, that's a dang near you know fifty fifty pick. And I think the Kansas City is what a two point favorite, maybe a two and a half point favorite at the moment. So that I like Buffalo. They're playing. I think I think they're the best team in the AFC right now, in my opinion. But from what I've seen, I just you got a quarterback playing at that level, his ability to run. It's man, they're 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 fun to watch. I would lean Buffalo on that one as well. Green Bay, uh, just too much uh, Aaron Rodgers against San Fran. Yeah, I do. I think it's going to be too much. I, you know, I like my Niners. You know, if there's a team I, you know, other than the Bengals, I, I'll watch and kind of root for it. Uh, it's San Francisco for sure. But Aaron Rodgers is, is a different breed, man. And just all the stuff he's been through, I think he's been out there to prove people wrong. And, I, you know, the weather is going to be a factor you know, in Green Bay, and I just don't know if Garoppolo can can get it done. You know, to be honest, I just don't. You know, they do if they can get the run game going. You're going to have to run the football in that type of weather. I just don't know if they are able to do that. If can they lean on Debo enough to to do, get it done? I just I don't know. I, the Packers are really. I think the Packers are the best team in in football right in the NFL. I think they're the favorite. You know, I pick them to win it right now, but. Um, I just I, I don't think I don't think uh, the 49ers have enough firepower offensively to hang with Green Bay's offense. Last side, Jay Tampa and the Rams. Rams have got uh, some confidence going. Uh, they whacked Arizona pretty good, and then there's Tampa who looked really good with uh, some healthy Huskers back for them. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, this one you know I was talking to a guy. You know, you look at the playoffs, man. I always tend to look at you know. Who has a better quarterback? <laughs> so <Sure>. Stafford <laughs> or Brady? You know Stafford is a hell of a talent, but I it's, I can't go against Brady. There's just you just can't do it. I think you're. I mean, you know, one of the the, the only time he ever loses is in the playoffs is in like the AFC title game or or the you know the conference title game or the Super Bowl. You know, I don't know if he's ever lost in the divisional playoff to be honest. Um, so I I go Tampa here. You know they're they're at home. And uh, I believe are they at home? Yep. Or, yep. Yeah, they're, they're at home, the, right? They're the two seed. So, uh-huh. Yeah, so they're at home. So um, I, I I think Tampa Bay, you know, is is in a is in a is in a really good spot with potentially a, a rematch of NFC title game up in up in Green Bay like last year. Bird, we'll uh, bump into you this weekend. Thanks for the time today. Yep, you got it. Thanks, buddy. Jay Moore has his Cincinnati care package, courtesy of Jay Moore. Not roommate Zach Taylor. That's okay. We will fire up a forecast right now. And uh, without further ado, make picks for Saturday's games right here locally on ESPN Lincoln. And some of our Hale Varsity affiliates will also have NFL coverage for Cincy and Tennessee, San Fran and Green Bay. Sunday loaded Rams and Bucks, Bills and Kansas City. I am going to be in Arrowhead if they beat Buffalo and Cincinnati wins. I will find my way down to Arrowhead a week from Sunday. Mama's buying, but I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) And we're leaving Mama at home. (laughs) I'll take Junior. All right, let's get to it. Cincy, Tennessee, does that magic happen? Tennessee minus three and a half. It's going to come down to Tennessee's defense. Pass rush, pressure, and can Mixon get enough on the ground so it's not Air Burrow? Not that he can't do it, but you don't want to be one-dimensional on the road. I just think Cincinnati will grow 
from this, but they're done learning on the job. Tennessee, too much King Henry, and too much Tennessee at home, 31-27, the win and the cup. Yeah, I'm with you on this one in that it's been great for the, the Bengals. They've got their learning experience. they got a playoff win out of the way. It's not their season yet, though. Their, their championship window, uh, I wouldn't even argue it's it's uh, starting to open. I don't even think it's opened yet. Uh, you got to give that, that team another year or two with the young talent they have. The, the future is, is coming for uh, the Bengals. It's not now. I'm with you. Give me Tennessee. I think they pull away in the second half, and they get a 27-20 to 20 victory. Get a, get a turnover, and wait, wait till Cincinnati continues to – invest in their offensive line mm-hmm. you've got skill guys in in chase and martin or make that higgins you got mixon you're all 25 and under and then you got burrow you're good you just got to get a better offensive line there defense really stepped up this year with some pass rushers don't get me wrong the Bengals will get theirs but i think that uh, that tennessee secondary will do enough to hold uh, the Bengals to some field goals san fran and green bay jimmy g has a jacked thumb and a worse shoulder. Debo's money, run game's good, Bosa's back. But I think Aaron Rodgers is just too good. Green Bay's clicking. It'll just be about the rust, whether they they start fast or let San Fran hang around because of the off week. That five and a half is, is high, but I think it's right. I think it's probably a touchdown ball game. Uh, give me Green Bay. And uh, give me Green Bay to, to win outright and cover. Uh, 35 to, we'll say 27. I liked what Danny told us yesterday, saying uh, if San Fran commits to running the ball, he thinks they can have some success. I agree with that. And uh, that's what you got to do in January at Lambeau. Uh, but I, I'm with you. That I, I think this Packers team is too much. I do think San Francisco hangs around via that running game. Uh, but I think Aaron Rodgers probably goes and leads a, a game-winning drive down at the end of the game, and they get a win. Uh, but no cover. I think uh, the 49ers cover 5.5. Uh, the Packers win 27-24. to 24. We will get into Sunday's contest. Rams, Bucks, also Bills, Chiefs, our old buddy Seth and the crew at Lazari's. Man, they are Bills Mafia through and through. So I know where their hearts at. Does Mahomes... Outduel Allen again. We'll see. We'll wind down a Friday next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time and some final moments here for the Friday forecast. Uh, Second half of the NFL predictions. Rams, Tampa shortly. And, of course, Bills at Kansas City. Reminder to get buckled up here. Coaches make substitutions during the game. And to get the best player on the field, getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI costs more than you think. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Let's get into the forecast side. We have said Green Bay. And we have said Tennessee. L.A. and Tampa. Good insight from Jay Moore. Last segment on the NFL and uh, his playoffs. And he won't be wearing... I'm sad he doesn't have his own jersey. That's too bad. Jay Moore showing up as Jay Moore. 
during NFL playoff football games would be great. The road San Fran jersey, he could pull that off. See, it's interesting to get his insight, though, as a former NFL guy that he thinks like adults wearing jerseys are weird. Well... He's like, well, he also gave his jersey away to Goodwill. <laughs> Imagine that fine, dude. <laughs> right? Imagine going into Goodwill. Who's and this more guy? An authentic NFL jersey. <laughs> Rams, Bucks, minus two and a half. That's a low number. I love, I love LA's run game. Uh, Von Miller's coming on strong. Aaron Donald's money. The Rams should win this. Right? They're healthier. Brady hates pass rush. Playoff Lenny, eh. but I think Levante and Sue and Queen and company find a way. I think this is, I'd love it to be a you know, 45-42 shootout. I don't think that's the case, but I think there's some scoring that goes on. Give me Tampa, and give me Tampa by a field goal. I think it is tight. Uh, I'm going to go 31-28, Tampa the winning cover. Yeah, I don't want to have too much recency bias here, uh, as Danny said yesterday, with the Rams' performance against uh, the Cardinals. I think they still have some issues within their team. Cam Akers was huge against he's Arizona. An, he's awesome. He's, he's healthy. Great that they can have him back. Uh, but, yeah, do you ever really want to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs? Uh, I'm not going to be the idiot who bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs, so I'm going to go with the Buccaneers as well. It might come back to bite me in the ass, but... Uh, Uh, I think betting on Tom Brady in the playoffs is always a good idea. So give me the uh, Buccaneers to cover a three-point spread. They win 31-21. Are you jumping on the old Buffalo Bills wagon? It's always been circle the wagons. Here come the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City at home is a different animal. It's night. It's Arrowhead. They're starting to drink now in the parking lot. Chiefs win another year away for Buffalo. But I think this... Power shift is happening from Kansas City to Buffalo. Not yet. Chiefs win, uh, and they'll need to score a lot. 38-35, the win and cover. Uh, yeah, I, I got them. Uh, the Chiefs actually winning by a lot in this one. Uh, you, you can see the, the Chiefs turn it on against Pittsburgh, and whenever the Chiefs are rolling, they are rolling. I think they're the best team in the NFL when they have it rolling. Uh, so give me the uh, – that hurts me to say as a Broncos fan, by the way. So if you're a Chiefs fan out there, that's high compliments from me. Uh, I, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes actually goes out there and uh, demolishes the Bills. Give me 45-21, to 21, the Chiefs win. All right, well, let's uh, find a way to get – I'll be rooting for the Bills, though. I know. I know you will. Talk to you tomorrow, 7 a.m., weekend edition, Hail Varsity. Thanks.